It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, as you're enjoying this fabulous podcast of the radio show, you can also get the Armstrong and Getty One More Thing podcast and Armstrong and Getty Extra Large, our long-form interviews, available via the iTunes podcast app and the iHeart app. after students at an elementary school were exposed to marijuana-laced gummies that she had brought to the school. Teachers became suspicious at recess when the kids tried to sync up Dark Side of the Moon with Paw Patrol. He couldn't even get through his own Police arrested a man after he pulled his car to the side of the road and started having sex with it. That man, you guessed it, Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> If you had somebody at your party looking at your pool table the way Matthew McConaughey does and then walks over at that string, you'd, you'd call the police. You're right. <laughs> uh, you okay, dude? I love the Paw Patrol joke. Very funny. Uh, please welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show, Lori Aratani, who covers transportation in similar matters for the Washington Post, talking about the airport of the future, perhaps, San Francisco's uh, SFO. Hi, Lori. How are you? I'm fine. How are you all? Uh, terrific. Thank you. It's nice to talk to you. So what is different about SFO? So what is different about SFO is the folks that run those security checkpoints, and this became apparent during the recent government shutdown, and I don't know, I guess we'll see if there'll be another one, but those folks aren't TSA employees. Those folks actually work for a private contractor, 
And San Francisco is the biggest and one of the few airports that are part of this special program that allows them to opt out. They don't want to have TSA do their screening. They opt out and they have a private contractor do it. How long has it been Um, that way? So it's been, San Francisco has actually been in the program since, um, the pilot program since shortly after 9-11, so around 2002. Wow, so um, I've flown out of SFO yeah. a bunch of times and didn't even know that weren't actual yep. TSA, they were private contractors. Interesting. They're private contractors, and they might wear similar uniforms, probably, and they have to follow all the same procedures. So I'm sure a lot of folks didn't realize that if you fly through through these 22 airports across the country that have them, that they are, they are, they are different. Um, and one of the ways... You know, I sort of stumbled on the story when I I saw a headline out there in the Bay Area that said, hey, you know, the folks in San Francisco are getting paid, but the folks at Oakland and San Jose aren't. Well, right, and there are three airports within close proximity of each other. This seems like a decent test case. Were you able to come up with any conclusions about uh, which system seemed to be working better? Well, that's, I think that's what's been really hard and I think probably frustrating for airport folks and for legislators is it's, it's really hard to tell. Um, they look at sort of cost effectiveness and the costs are relatively the same, but they don't necessarily, for private contractors, there's not really a, net, a mechanism to determine whether or not um, the customer service is better, right. They have to meet certain service targets, right? So hopefully the times that you've flown out of San Francisco, you haven't run into super long lines. They're, they're, they have to meet certain targets to get a certain number of people through. Um, be interesting to hear from you guys if you've seen, if you've noticed a difference from when you fly from San Francisco versus Oakland or San Jose. You know, it's um, funny. It's it's so hard to know because I can't make heads nor tails of the rhythms of airports. No, you can show what? up on a Tuesday afternoon at 2 and there's a, a long line for oh, yeah. some reason. Yeah. And then sometimes you show up when it, it seems like it ought to be busy and you walk right through. So it's difficult to exactly. figure out. Yeah. And it's. I think that's one, one of the things that private contractors say is, well, we have a, a better ability to respond, right? So say you don't have a big staff there on Tuesday afternoon because that's typically not a big flying day, but they, they say, well, once they realize that they're going to have a huge influx of passengers or that maybe flights are delayed or they're going to be extra busy, they, it's easier for them to bring people on. Um, whether that's the case, you know, we're not sure. We'd, I guess we'd have to look at the data that, that TSA has collected. And whether TSA, I think, has the ability to respond is, that, is another question, but... I think one of the things that the program has done is, I think back, I don't know if you all remember back in 2016 around Memorial Day, there was this huge crush at airports across the country, Chicago, New York, Atlanta, and people were waiting for hours because TSA just wasn't staffed up. And a lot of the big airports said, if you guys can't get your act together, then we're going with private contractors. Good idea. And how, TSA how, responded, and how, they, you know, things are better. How good are they? I mean, we regularly hear these tests of the TSA where they miss every fake bomb that went through. I guess to be as good as that wouldn't be that difficult. <laughs> well, hopefully. You know, they. I, I think the new legislation that went through to, to authorize um, money for the federal aviation to keep keep running has some language in there for TSA where those, these private contractors will have to go through the same kinds of, you know, there may be so-called red teams going through and trying to do, you know, similar, trying to do similar tests to see whether or not those are better. But that's, you know, that, I think that's one of the frustrating questions for airports, which is, how do I know this is going to be better better for me? You know, the airports don't necessarily save the money because the contracts are with TSA, TSA manages the contracts, they manage the oh boy. So huh. for the airport, it, it doesn't save the money. It saves taxpayers' money if, if, it's, if it ends up being a little cheaper. But well, and nobody cares about that, Lori. Don't be silly. 
Lori Yaratani is the transportation reporter for the Washington Post. Lori, interesting stuff, and we'll have a link to the article so people can read it in full. Um, we'll uh, have our eyes open for the differences between the airports in the future. Thanks. My, my, my thought might there. be, so if we did a test and the TSA uh, missed every single bomb, fake bomb we sent through, I think I can get that done for half the cost. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, GAO, that's your government accountability office. In uh, uh, some instances, private contractors' costs were 2 to 19% lower than the TSA's estimates. Uh, they also said the TSA failed to include costs such as retirement benefits in saying how much they cost, which is... Here's my question for you. Do the private contractors yell at me because the day-by-day changes in what they want and how they want it and airport-to-airport inconsistencies? Evidently, I've run afoul of them today. Well, the private guys, Sir, take off your left shoe and leave the right one on! All right! (laughs) All right. The other day, we all got yelled at for lint in our pocket. When did that become a thing? I didn't know that. There's lint anything. We said anything, including lint. Okay, well, nobody's ever mentioned lint. The previous 18 years I've been flying. Take the lint out of your pocket, sir, or you'll be tased. <laughs> now, the jobs who's, the, the person whose job it is to actually sneak the stuff through, like, do they have some sort of get out of jail for Like, at what point with several knees in your back do you say, no, no, I'm a safety inspector. <laughs> yeah, no Look kidding. at my card. Look at my card. Yeah. Sir, keep your hands in the air. Yeah, yeah that, that seems like a, a very stressful line of work. That's, uh, that's tough for those um, the TSA people when they say, uh, we just ran through this big bowling ball shaped thing yeah. with a wick. Yeah, the wick was actually burning. Looked like a Wiley Coyote bomb yeah. and you missed it. It wasn't even in a bag. It was just sitting there. On the conveyor belt. On the conveyor belt. Just went right on through. You know, you know what? It just occurred to me. Here's my new uh, my new gig. I'm going to become a uh, TSA tester like that. I'm going to try to smuggle stuff through. But as long as I'm trying to smuggle in like a fake gun, a fake bomb, I'm going to put a couple of kilos of coke in there as well. And if they find it, I'll say, nice job. Really good job. boy. Big combination coming for you. If you could get back that fake uh, cocaine, I'd appreciate that. My fake bombs and guns. Anyway, good job. You'll be in the report there, uh, Jim. God, when I used to work at UPS, they'd do these tests when you're loading trucks to make sure you didn't let... Because every single package that came through, and when I was there, you had to load 1,250 packages an hour. And you have to look... Like each person or just each a person. team? Or, each person. Really? Yeah. Wait stacking a your truck, And it was just insane. Oh, yeah. You're That's doing, a lot. Yes. It's it's constant. Like every couple of seconds, you're put, stacking a package. But anyway, you have to look at the address to make sure it's going where your truck is is taking them. Right. And uh, and you no know, time for that. You want to miss as few as possible because if they go the wrong direction, then they're not going to get there on time. It's a thing. But so they test you regularly. So they put one like I was sending packages to Wichita, Kansas. So they'd send through a package that said Wichita Falls, Texas. Oh, oh that's yeah. a tricky one. And then exactly <laughs> that sort of thing. You're setting me up to fail. <laughs> And then the guy would come on, and he'd walk in with his clipboard, and he'd grab the package I just stacked in the wall, Wichita Falls. And he'd look at me, and he'd walk oh, off, and I'd think, oh, man! Dang it! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> but I was a teamster, so it's not like they could fire me or anything. Right. <laughs> All I could do is give you a dirty look. <laughs> you idiot! Are you even reading them? And check your pockets for lint. Sometimes they would come so fast and furious, you'd just forget about it. Right. Just stack them up as fast as you could. Right. You're not going to get your Christmas present or your medicine or whatever. I can't do anything about it. You want your package? Move to Wichita. It's there. (laughs) Oh, we got criticized for our handling of the new Green Deal. Which brings up an interesting point. Was Karl Marx writing his text? It brings up an interesting point. 
you will Joe will respond probably harshly, probably in angry terms. I can practically guarantee probably in it. a hurtful manner. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. You guys, Valentine's Day is less than one week away. Yeah. And you'll know your boyfriend waited too long to make a dinner reservation when he asked, so do you want to eat at 4.30 or 10.15? <laughs> How flexible. What? Whichever one. God, I think I tried to go out to eat on a Valentine's Day once in my entire life, and it was just crazy. I don't know why you'd ever want to do that. If you like crowds, but... It's like brunch on Mother's Day. How about we go last week and next week, Mom, instead? Right. It's just, it's just insanity. Unless you enjoy that, I guess. I don't know. Um, Green New Deal. Before I get to that, that Eagle song reminded me. When people say they don't make music like they used to, they are literally right. Interesting article in the New York Times over the weekend. Did you read oh, that? Oh, no. Thanks I for sending it, it, but I didn't get a chance. So interesting. Oh, by the way, I'll be torturing you. Not torturing you. I, my own music is torture, but uh, my son's band is out. They're about ready to put out a new album. Oh, my God. It blew my mind. Well, it, it made me feel so pathetic about the music I make. Well, I, I smashed all my guitars. There you go. Well, I wanted to. Anyway, it's really good. I'll um, play it for you later. But anyway. And I'll explain why music's changed. But yeah, okay. uh, the Green New Deal thing. I, I am more fascinated with the rollout and the politics of it than I am the reality of it. Well, and I love America, so it's the reality I'm concerned about, Jack. Fighting the scourge of communism, which is lapped up at our shores again. You thought it was over in 89, did you? Well, wake up, fool. Ivan is banging at the door. Fool. That was pretty good. Worked a little Mr. T in there. <laughs> Not really. He doesn't own that word, fool. Um. So there's a bunch of stuff floating around about the Green New Deal that's not real. It's it's fake. But who put it out there? Was it people who are trying to discredit the Green New Deal or people who are trying to discredit Republicans or right-wingers by making them look foolish? I'll give you this example. This version was floating around that included included whether this is was ever real or not. I don't know. Uh, on how we're going to recycle urine as part of the Green New Deal. Males should urinate into an empty milk jug instead of a toilet. Step two, let the jug of urine sit in open sunlight for six hours for sanis- sanitation. Step three, use this recycled urine in place of water when brewing coffee or preparing frozen juice. <laughs> As the left, no, thank you. As the leftover pea taste will be covered up by the natural flavors. Now, so, so did somebody get that out there to say, look how stupid this Green New Deal is and make them look dumb for falling for it? Or did somebody put it out there to show how crazy the Green New Deal is? To me, some of the real stuff in there was practically as crazy as that. Well, I'm telling in you. In terms of ever actually being adopted in this country. But so that whole game of spin and manipulating the media, I find pretty fascinating. I think we're into showing a cart, a New Yorker cartoon to a dog territory here, Jack, telling me about this. I remember as a younger man, I, I was fascinated by spies, spycraft, the idea of a double agent. 
And then somebody told me about a guy who was a triple agent. And I just couldn't hold that idea in my head. <laughs> That's too much. Too much. So what you're describing there is the old quadruple reverse. We put out this story to make it seem like those who are discrediting the Green New Deal are in fact crediting it by discrediting their own discreditment or something. But the point is we win. I don't get well, it. Well, somebody put that there, and maybe it right. was just put out to be funny. Yeah. It's possible yeah. it was just an, an attempt at humor. I will tell you this. I followed this Twitter thread that was great in which this guy nailed down that, and this is not the making tea from pea stuff. <laughs> How about sun tea? Can we just enjoy some of that? Um, it, it wasn't that. It was the uh, like the unwilling to work part, and the uh, the that draft that came out that said, we know we can't stop cows from farting or eliminate airplanes in 10 years, but blah, blah, blah. That phrase got a lot of attention. All that stuff, the Ocasio-Cortez people tried to deny was real and claimed that that was fictionalized. But then this guy actually had screen caps of it on her site, and that was totally legit, blah, blah, blah. So I followed that, and I was aware, and aware some of people, the issue. And some people say they put that on there originally as they were writing it just like to be funny. So I don't know. I don't have any idea. Uh, but at the point that they're suggesting, and and it's males, right? Or white males should do this. White males have to recycle their pee. At this point, all right, I give up trying. I don't right, care. right. Were, were they just sitting around having fun, and somebody came up with that because it'd be? I don't know. I don't have any idea. Well, then we got this text, which brings up a point that uh, Sean made last week, and we forgot to discuss. Hey there, guys. I'm always impressed with how thoughtful you are when you talk about most topics. I like that, but I can feel a butt coming. <laughs> but it's pretty irresponsible of you to call AOC's ideas communists when they're democratic socialism. I know you know the difference. The reason I wanted to bring that up is um, this. This Bill Maher said a while back on his show on Friday night, he said, he said, it's on us, it's on me, it's my fault. We called so many people Hitler, we called Bush Hitler, that when somebody really dangerous like Trump comes call, comes along, we can't get anybody's attention. We shouldn't have called Bush Hitler. Have people like me calling everything socialism all the time um, taken away from the power would we, we would have by calling this socialism. Oh, man. We may need to approach this uh, anew tomorrow because that's it's a good topic, and I'm glad you brought it up. I admitted last week that I've jokingly called too many things communism. Um, and I would respond to the, was that a text? Yeah. You're talking about, I'd respond to our texter. Thank you, first of all, for your, your respectful note. I feel a butt coming. <laughs> You're feeling a lot of butts this morning. Um, I, 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 we thank you for your respectful note. Uh, what was proposed in the Green New Deal was absolutely communism. It was uh, it was, you know, it was close actually to the dictionary definition of socialism, which brings me to another one of these points that we really don't have talk, time to talk about, which is that your poli sci class definitions of political systems are practically useless. On the ground, they just, they never fit the definitions. When people talk about socialism, generally speaking, they're talking about a move toward more government control, government confiscating, and redistributing more income than they do now. In the same way, when I talk about libertarianism, I'm not talking about some imaginary Ayn Rand world. I'm talking about more liberty and less uh, regulation. But the Red New Deal is absolutely a call for communism.
I will stand by those words. What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, change of heart going on in Virginia, and Senator Kamala Harris has just made a rather shocking admission. Okay, I'll stay tuned for that. Good tease. That's coming up next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. So the governor of Virginia did an interview with Gail King on the early show and said something that shows how stupid he is. I don't think he's a racist. I think he's a moron. <laughs> but uh, Now that's a charge. Let's get the news well, out, Marshall Phillips. Well, first out of the box, Virginia Democrats are easing up on their plans, calling for the impeachment of the lieutenant Democratic governor, Justin Fairfax. The lawmakers... Now that one's tough. That, that, that guy's going to go, I think. I think he... I, if I had to bet... And this is unfair to say, probably, because I have no evidence. But if I had to guess, I'm guessing he is uh, uh, not a good guy, sexually speaking. It's certainly notable that two women of you know reasonable standing have been claiming for quite some time that he sexually assaulted them. Yeah, similar stories. On um, the other hand, you know, it d- depends. What's your standard proof? If he says I'm not going, there's no charge, no charge, no conviction. They're going to impeach him, aren't they? Uh, it's, it's not clear that they can. I listened to an overly yeah. long analysis of that question. Because the uh, language in the Virginia Constitution really is similar to the U.S. Constitution. And uh, it's pretty clear that it has to do with malfeasance while in office. Who cares what the lieutenant governor is of any state? Just, just get a different one if there's any problems. Um, the top guy is going to stay. And to me, yeah. with a new poll out that shows 50% of Virginians say he should stay and 60% of black people say he should stay, well, then who are we to tell the black people of Virginia he's a racist and shouldn't be your governor? That's crazy. It's not about them, Jack. It's about me and me signaling my virtue. So everybody online knows that I'm good, and I'm a good person, and I'm down with the the political correctness. It's not about them. Don't be silly. It's about my own self-aggrandizement. Virginia Democratic Governor Ralph Northam saying he's not going to be resigning. He's been telling CBS Gail King why he should keep his job. We have worked very hard. Uh, we've had a good first year, and, and I'm a leader. Uh, I've been in some very difficult situations, life and death situations, taking care of sick children. And right now, you're a doctor, yes. right now, Virginia needs someone that can heal. Uh, there's no better person to do that than a doctor. Mm. That's a good That's argument a good, right good there. Point. Virginia yeah, needs yeah. healing, and he's a doctor. Uh, the dumb Hall of Fame called, and we have good news, uh, Mr. Governor. They're crafting your bust in blackface right now. California Senator and 2020 presidential candidate Kamala Harris. She's old news. Are you kidding? We got Amy Klobuchar. We got Elizabeth Warren. Did somebody else announce, too? Cory Booker since then? Kamala Harris, please. Now she's talking politics and pot. The Democrat was on the Breakfast Club radio show in New York and admitted to puffing. Uh-oh. smokes? I have. Okay. Back and I, and I inhale. I did inhale. I did inhale. It was a long time ago. <laughs> but, yes. I know you have to go. They say you have to go. I just, to I just broke news. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, was it in college? Uh-huh. See, see, I like stuff like that. That's a real <laughs> honest yeah. answer. Was uh-huh. it a blunt or joint? It was a joint. Hey. Yeah. Do you remember the high? <laughs> I do. So if it was legalized all throughout the country and <laughs> medicinal, would you, you know, do it? Listen, again? I think that it gives a lot of people joy, and we need more joy. We <laughs> need joy in this world. Gives a lot of people joy, and we want joy. Huh. I do. Yes. I, you know, I, I tell you what, I found her uh, charmingly natural in that interview. <laughs>
Yeah. I, I hate her politics, but... Yeah, I don't want to be the guy who tries to bring negativity to everything, but I just, I've never liked it when politicians get all the cred for being cool when they switch on an issue once it's gone over 50% popularity. When it's safe, right. <laughs> when it's right. perfectly safe. Right. It's like being her, hey, you ever snort any coke? You ever, you ever, uh, ever try meth? You ever drop acid? How about smack? <laughs> Six smacks straight in your veins. <laughs> Ask her the tough questions. As uh, Joe was mentioning, Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar is officially making a run for the White House in 2020. She'll bring us together, Marshall. She's Minnesota nice. She's a centrist Democrat, which is an open lane in the in the nomination process. Nice? What? They're portraying her as mean as a snake. <laughs> or is that sexism? Because men can be demanding and something, something, I'll let you take the talk amongst yourselves. There you go. She Do we made, have any clips of her? Yeah, she made the announcement in front of a crowd of supporters braving the 14 degrees snowy weather in Minneapolis yesterday. We are tired of the shutdowns and the showdowns of the gridlock and the grandstanding. Today... On this snowy day on this island, we say enough is enough. Right. That is something, though. I mean, that shows you Minnesota. I grew up in South Dakota and Wisconsin where it's cold and stuff like that. Most of the country, if it were 14 degrees, you'd cancel the event. Sure. You would cancel school. You would have 24-hour news warnings about the danger of frostbite. They're all standing out there cheering a speech, (laughs) and it's 14 degrees. There are no auditoriums with a roof that they could have done this in? Why are we outside? I'm not tired. I'm cold. (laughs) This year's Grammy Awards gave rap artists and women something to celebrate. Uh, Childish Gambino's This Is America became the first rap-based song to win record and song of the year. Casey Musgraves won top album and matched Gambino with four Grammys total. And Cardi B, first solo woman to win best rap album. Can we just call him Donald Glover? That's his name, right? Yeah, yeah that's his guy behind Atlanta. Uh, yes, yes, Donald mm-hmm. Glover. And then yeah. all of his music has been released under the stage name Childish Gambino. Yeah, right. So he yeah, blurs those enough. lines. Yeah. yeah. But he's retired that persona, right? He's For said, now, we'll see until yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Musicians are very, they're a finicky bunch. Yes. <laughs> Host Alicia Keys kicked off the show by introducing some of her sisters, Lady Gaga, J- uh, Jada Pinkett Smith, Jennifer Lopez, and Michelle Obama. From the Motown Records, I will. Did she say Motown Records I watched? What did they do? (laughs) From the Motown records I wore out on the South Side to the Who Run the World songs that fueled me through this last decade. So that was seen as the highlight of the Grammys. Grammys. I was reading highlights and lowlights. Critics, what do they know? But J-Lo's tribute to Motown was seen as a lowlight. I didn't see it. Mm. They wondered why she was chosen, as she has no connection to Motown <laughs> whatsoever. Good question. And she's not really known as a singer. She's more of a dancer and everything else. But whatever. I didn't watch, so. There you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips in the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. I was pleased to see that uh, bassist of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Flea, is now wearing shorts. That's a, that's a great movement in the right direction from his early underwear career. And the lead singer's sure. got quite the mustache now. Yes, he does. Differently. <sighs> is that an ironic mustache? It's got to be. As opposed it to... It looks just terrible. As opposed to a regular, <laughs> yes. regular mustache? Well, it's, it's, it's just... It was, uh, it was shocking. It was hard to listen to him. With the mustache? Yes. Wow. He's got a big black mustache, like he's Saddam Hussein. 
Give it away now. Shave yeah. it away now. Please. Oh, like he's Saddam Hussein. <laughs> or someone with a mustache. It's like he's someone with a mustache. Couldn't even listen to him with that mustache. It's terrible. <laughs> You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. You got another man. Graves won album of the year, the Grammys, last night, and it reminded me of an article I read over the weekend in the New York Times. They don't make music like they used to, which is a common thing that older people say. And some of that is just music is more impactful when it was happening when you're falling in and out of love and getting your first job and all this different sort of stuff yep. than when you're older. It's just, just a fact of life. Mm-hmm. Um, Plus, you know, there's a fairly limited bag of tricks in Western music. And after you've heard 15 variations on whatever you like, that's enough. But some of it, yes. And similar to, to your point, too, I, when people remember the music that was made back in the day, I think they're confusing with the music that was made back in the day with them being young back in sure, the day. Absolutely. Exactly. Being young was awesome. Yes. Exa- that is exactly right. That is exactly right. Um, that was a very impactful time in my life, and that's the music that was popular when I was that age. Wasn't there a a list of greatest albums or something that came out recently and like, of the top 20 albums this century, like 18 of them were from 2005. And our, our assumption was that the guy that was making that list right, right. was about 22 right. in 2005. 18 to 23, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Clearly. And so, I mean, because yeah. there are so many songs and albums that I can tell you what year they came out, maybe what part of the year came out, based on who I was dating at that time or what job I had. Yeah. I can't tell you within a decade albums that came out now <laughs> i mean i can't that was sometime in the 2000s you know because right. it just right it was after the y2k thing yeah i think well, that's because adulthood is a long gray morass of discouragement till you descend into the grave certainly seems anyway to be. good morning <laughs> certainly seems to be the case well no, i tell my kids this all the time listen it's, 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 uh, you'll be fine at being an adult you get a lot of practice at it it goes on for quite some time None of us are very good at it at first. But to the, they don't make music like they used to. It's literally true. And it could have something to do with why older music is liked better by, by certain crowds. It's complicated. Nobody quite has nailed down what loud is. <laughs> we, we, the way we perceive volume is very, very complicated. You can't, the music's too loud. You're too old. You can't do it with decibel meters. It, it just doesn't work. There's, it's got to do with the perception. Because I've, I've been following this a lot for various music, radio stuff, guitar amplifiers. You can measure that one's way louder than that one, but everybody will say that one's louder. It's just right. the way we perceive things. Mm-hmm. It's got to do with the quality of the sound, the harshness, and everything like that. Yeah. But with music, it has to do with um, compared to everything else in the song. And it, it, it fits in with why um, when you're watching TV, you can be watching TV or kind of paying attention, and then the commercials come on. Ah, geez, where's the remote? And you turn it down. Well, the TV stations will all tell you it's not actually any louder than the show. The volume is the same. Okay, you can say that all you want, but it's way louder. If to 100% me. of you, us perceive that it is? Yeah, that it's louder. Yeah. I don't care how you measure it with a meter or whatever. Right. It's louder. My baby just woke up when the commercials came on. It was louder than the TV show. 
Well, music now, the loudest part of the music and the quietest part of the mu- music is squashed down into a tiny range that didn't used to be. They use the example of the Eagles' greatest hits, all-time greatest selling album. Great range between soft and loud in that album, the way music used to be recorded. All mm-hmm. music used to be recorded. Now it's all squashed down like TV commercials, so it's perceived as much louder. The reason they started doing that is they realized, same with advertisements, it gets our attention, it gets it gets us a little bit excited, it gets our heart rate up, mm. and so that we perceive it as more exciting. We also burn out on it way faster uh, than we do stuff with a greater range. And music used to be, and there are graphs in the New York Times, music up until like the when digital came along and CDs came along in the right. mid-90s, everything right. like that, the range of loudness for all that music, very wide top to bottom. Now it keeps getting squashed down even more and more and more and more as we go along. How and interesting. And there's a fatigue level to it that nobody can really measure, but you just might not be able to listen to it as long or as enjoy it as much as you could other music. Do you- did you I get the that sense really that it was intentional, or is it a byproduct of the way that everything is digitally shared and compressed and, Origi- and sent? Originally intentional because they figured out that, okay. it, just like TV commercial, it gets your attention and gets you excited. Then after that, all these music streaming services, it's just cheaper for them to compress it all down. Right. It's easier to do them right. to do it. So music does is actually different than it used to be. You know what I noticed last night that weirded me out a little bit? And, you know, I'm kind of familiar with this, but it was extreme. Was that all of the songs nominated for Song of the Year, which is a Songwriters Award, had four to seven writers yeah. credited. Every single nominee was written by committee, which is, I thought was weird. That is interesting. Yeah, I think that says something, and it ain't good. Of course, you know, if you're not hip to the fact that pop music is now just... Uh, I made the, the semi-joke joke earlier. I'd just as soon watch an awards show about breakfast cereal as pop music at this point. It's because it's a giant corporate enterprise, and, you know, that's fine. Uh, they make music that's very catchy and, and, and lifts your spirits, you know, which is fine. I don't hate it, um, but it's weird to see every single song written by committee. Yeah, I found that interesting that music now is it's, it's fatiguing to the ear over time because there's not the the dynamic range of of quiet to loud sure yeah that is interesting it'll probably no never go away probably stay that way forever i don't know giant uh, cataclysm nuclear war followed by the super flu and the uh, what's the other one we were supposed to be worried about oh oh of course lack of reproduction as child uh, right. birth rates fall and well, then that... sooner or later we'll be back to the caves banging on uh, rocks with sticks Sing along to it. One, two, three, four. Oog, oog. That sort of thing. And uh, somebody's going to have to reinvent the gramophone, and then, you know, who knows? Cycles, Jack. Cycles. There you go. Don't you think? Sure. All right. No, I don't know. <laughs> you know what will endure, though, Jack, is the banjo. The delights of the banjo. Which there's a lot of it, sounds like, in the Casey Musgraves album. How many Musgraves are there? Plenty. Six or eight. Mentioned this briefly earlier. And I just I wanted to touch on it for y'all who can just listen at this time of day or or whatever. But uh, the statistic Marshall even mentioned it that the top three richest dudes in America, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, Jeff Bezos, collectively hold more wealth than the bottom. It depends who you ask. Fifty percent um, is the most common figure the uh, figure that was bandied right. about. Well, it turns out that somewhere around fifty percent of Americans have zero wealth. Their debts exceed oh, or equal right. their assets. Right. So based and on so that, literally, if, I have more net worth than the bottom half of America. If you have a hundred dollars, 
net worth, right? you have more wealth than the bottom half of Americans combined because they have no wealth. So why did you bring it up? It sounds astounding until you hear that figure. And then now listen, that's not a statistic without meaning. The fact that half of Americans have zero net worth or negative net worth, that's worth discussing. But, you know, if having, you know, a thin dime in your pocket makes you wealthier than them, it's not so incredible that those rich fellows are richer than them either. But, you know, it depends how you come at your politics. I just am feeling very, very wealthy this morning because I'm wealthier than half of Americans. Yeah, <laughs> part of Elizabeth Warren's speech was about uh, income inequality and taxing the rich, and there's some new stats out on that that are pretty interesting that fit in with the idea that more more people than ever uh, are welcoming socialism. I just strip the tax code down to one page. Flat tax. The rich will pay many, many times more than they do now. You put it in the hands of fancy uh, bureaucrats and politicians. Who do you think is going to rig that system? The Jane rich Gordera. will. No, the rich will. Please, flat tax now. Final thoughts with A-N-G. Yeah. Here's your host, Joe Getty. Yeah. <laughs> Did that? Was that nominated for Grammy? That song? Uh, let's get a final thought from everybody. Positive, Sean. Yeah was nominated for Best New Final Thoughts. Uh, to paraphrase a conversation that I had multiple times this weekend with, with my peers, to my friends on the right and the left, we need better arguments than racism and socialism. We have gotten too lazy in our arguments. Mm, I like that. Uh, Marsha Phillips, your final thought. Uh, for all of those who are suffering through tax shock, I am pleased to report that almost for the first time ever, I plan carefully and correctly all year long. I've been putting away some extra money, and yes, I'm going to owe some taxes. But I saved up enough to pay him. Uh, that's right, Yahoo. with interest. Right. Yes. Very little interest, but interest. Michelangelo, final thought. Yeah, blowing a jug, playing some spoons, slapping a knee, someone making clicky noises with their mouth. That's my kind of music. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, Jack, do you have a final thought for us? Yeah, we hit the stats earlier that 85% of people, the tax situation is right. better for them than it was before the tax plan went through. But their perception is the opposite because their refund is smaller or non-existent. So, democracy, based on those stats, democracy will not work. There is nothing you could do as a politician that would make any sense. Correct. Correct. Uh, my final thought is it is my natal day today. It is my birthday. Having your birthday fall on a Monday is worse than not having a birthday at all. It's an anti-birthday. It's a negative. It's a downer. Don't wish me happy birthday. Go to hell. Wow. Oh, my. I'm resentful. You said you were going to make a birthday resolution, though. Uh, yeah. Is that going to be public or private? Oh, I don't know. I'll have to keep thinking about it. It's still a little amorphous. Maybe you'll mention that in our podcast, which we're about to come do. together in my head. Okay. Yes. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. Hey, go to Hot Links at armstrongandgetty.com. All the links we talked about, the articles and stuff like that available. Also, you know, iTunes, all our podcasts are available there. You can email us mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. See you tomorrow. God bless America. This is a historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over! The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get. Get. And we apologize for our stupidity. And we really hope you forgive us.
for what we've done. Thank you and good night. Then the show's over. Bye bye. I tweeted a picture of a donut. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10 year, 100,000 mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.